morning once again. It's good to see all of you here for worship. Um, one thing I wanted to comment on from um, our some of the upcoming events, there is this ladies' event. It's it's not a mom to mom event. Um, this is actually a women's event. So uh, it's for all ladies. And so just uh, make note of that in case you were in case you were wondering about that. And then um, second thing, I just want to thank all the folks that were involved in helping us get everything built and ready for today. We we rolled out a lot of new equipment today. And so this large backdrop, um, just some of these different things that were built here. We have a larger stage, lighting. And so there's just a lot of work that was put into today. And so um, just from me to all of you who pitched in to help, um, whether it was during the week or just even um, the additional people on hand today in worship um, early from 730 in the morning, um, thank you so much for, for pitching in to help. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a stark difference from what we're used to in this room. And so... It's fun watching people walk in and be like, whoa, that's different, because <laughs> it just looks different in here. And so um, let's pray together as we continue on. Lord, we praise you for who you are. We thank you for um, being a great God who um, has is very much involved in our lives and loves us dearly. And God, we, we thank you for the opportunity to, to draw close to you this morning and to learn from you, from the Bible, and, and really try to get a better understanding of how to walk with you through life. God, through the challenges that we're facing, which many in this room are, um, even through the seasons of joy, which some in this room are as well, Lord, uh, just where we're at, we thank you for meeting us where we're at, for knowing us completely and, and loving us, Lord. Thank you for, um, again, for the people that pitched in to continue to help us um, um, do what we do as a congregation when we have events or when we set up and tear down each week, Lord, we thank you for the crew of volunteers who call this church home and, and who really um, work together and unite together uh, to serve in this way. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you're using our church in this community to really help people grow, connect with you, Lord, and, and make eternal choices, Lord. We thank you for the way that this um, this really is a reflection of just um, the greatness of who you are, Lord. And um, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for this time. Guide us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in this series called Fools on Parade, and we're looking at um, foolish tendencies or strategies that we all tend to deal with in life. And so this isn't really picking on anyone as much as it's really getting at all of us on some level. And so we're looking at um, five specific Hebrew words from the, from the Old Testament and we're really looking at a pattern of living um, with each of these. And so each week we've looked at these uh, these different words. And the word in English, when you read it in the English Bible, is the word fool. But in Hebrew, there's five different um, ways to say fool. There's five different words. And so as you, as you study each occurrence of each of these words, there's really a profile that emerges. And it kind of is characterized by a life strategy. And so we're... We're fleshing this out and trying to describe it in hopes to really identify this stuff in our own lives so that we can turn a corner and move away from foolish living, foolish strategies. And so I'm glad you've come to, this is kind of midpoint for this series. Um, the first two weeks, here's what we've looked at. The first week we looked at this uh, character here. The, the Hebrew term is kasil, and it, it means ease or to take an easy way. So the strategy of the kasil, the foolish strategy, is to take an easy slack-handed approach in life. This is where when we're lazy and passive, we're kind of acting like this. 
or being Castile. And so um, we talked about how this is, this is a struggle that we face. And when we do slack off um, and we're lazy and we're not, you know, carrying our responsibilities, the tendency then is for us to lie in order to cover our tracks. And so the, the key tool that the Castile uses is lying in order to cover laziness. And we talked about how the, the animal, there's actually an animal that would maybe be like the Casile animal, the mascot of the Casiles is the possum. Because the possum, if you know possums, they play dead, right? Um, now, you probably don't play with possums. I hope you don't. Um, you can get hurt. And um, But if you were to Google, you know, like possum and push over a possum on YouTube, you'd find clips of people like pushing over a possum that's playing dead. And it's obviously not dead. It's just it's doing what it does. Because this character really reflects that, where when you catch the casile or the easy way person not doing what they should be doing, they play dead. They pretend like, I didn't realize I'm supposed to be working right now. And so, and Cody and I actually, we tested this out with a possum this week because we were driving and we saw a live possum in the gutter on um, Aptos. And we drove by and we're like, it's daytime and there's a live possum in the gutter. Just on all four, not like this, just on all four in the gutter, a big, a big possum. And it's just staring at the road like it wants to dart across, waiting for a moment. But there's like no one around. Like, what is it doing? And, it, you know, like, is it dead? Why would it be dead, like standing up like this? Is it, it's playing dead. So, you know, I'm driving this way and it's over here. And so I swerve into oncoming traffic. There's no one coming. So I... How often do you get to see a live possum during the day? We pull up alongside it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's alive. I mean, it's just standing there. So I pull up. I do a U-turn. We did this like four times because we thought it was amazing. The second pass, we came back, and Cody had his phone out. He's like, hey, hey. <laughs> and we got a great little video he could show you at some point. And he's like, are you dead? And it's just his eyes are following Cody, and uh, pretty interesting. Now, later on at the end of the day, found the same possum on the sidewalk, dead. <laughs> and it was dead. So it must have, I don't know, poor possum, probably got hit during the day or something. And, and uh, so it was it was actually playing dead, and it would be dead later. So um, I went an awful long time to describe that experience for you. But the second strategy that we looked at was last week was this character. It's the ezeal. The Hebrew word is ezeal, and it means the reactive way. This is where we are angrily, or angry outbursts, emotional outbursts. If you struggle with your emotions or getting angry, erupt, erupting at people, this tends to be where you, um, where you struggle is the reactive approach. It can be very controlling. It's manipulative. And so when people are blocking our goals and not letting us get what we want in life, um, this strategy says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oppose them. I'm going to react to them. And I'm going to get my way, one way or another, whether it's, whether it's yelling or tears. <laughs> Both of those things would be um, you know, how this looks, characteristics. And today we're looking at the fun way full of strategies. And now with the fun ways, different character, this guy, he's like, he's like, what kind of fun can I get into? He's got his tongue out and, uh, you know, he's checking out the opportunities that exist in life. And so um, this, this is, I think, um, this has great appeal to us, is to follow our desires, to follow our passions. Um, we all want life to be fun. In fact, many times when we make decisions in life, we're asking ourselves, 
what's the fun factor? How much fun can I have if I do this, if I participate in this, in this event? And sometimes we take fun a little too far, and people get hurt with fun. That's why there's even a phrase, it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye or someone you know, loses an arm or something like that. And th- that phrase kind of describes this strategy. It's, it's only fun as long as we don't get hurt. As soon as someone gets hurt, it's no fun, fun anymore. And the, the problem is this foolish strategy that we're looking at tends to lead to pain. It tends to eventually lead to long-term hurt and pain. As people end up being chased by the consequences of their choices. Now, again, the Hebrew word for this is sackle. Okay, it's different than the other two. But in English, you read the word sackle, it's translated as fool. Just like the reactive way, it just translates fool. And just like the other easy way, it just translates fool. But So we have to, you know, it, it helps to be able to, to look at these things and study. What does the original language say on this? And then what does it mean? Here's a description. The fun way is a reckless, blind desire for fun. A reckless, blind desire for fun. Now, Jeremiah the prophet uses this word at one point. He uses the word sackle when describing God's people. Look at Jeremiah 5, verse 21. It says this, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people. The word foolish there is that word sackle. Hear this, O sackle, or fun way, and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. So they're senseless. You know, they, they have senses, but it's like they're not using their senses. Then he says in verse 22, do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? The idea here is that they have disregarded God. Then he says, I place the sand as the boundary for the sea. God's the one that sets boundaries in place in nature. A perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say in their hearts, let us fear the Lord our God who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. See, they don't say that. They don't say, hey, let's fear God. He's the one who does all these things. He's the one who controls the seasons. He's the one who causes the sun to to shine brightly, to bring in the harvest. They're saying, they don't say that. They don't fear God. They disregard God. And because of that, verse 25, your iniquities have turned these away. And your sins have kept good from you. So this, the nation of, of, of Israel, Judah, they had been willfully ignorant of God. And so Jeremiah the prophet, he's speaking really against them, calling them to return to God. But he describes the nation at this point in this way, that they're choosing a fun way, a reckless, blind desire. <clears throat> Now, again, they're, they're senseless, meaning, can you imagine um, not choosing to use the senses that are fully functioning in your life, but just ignoring the senses completely? Eyes, but you don't see. Ears, but don't hear. They're not guided by any real reason or any real sense. Instead, they're guided by their passions and their desires. Verse 22, it says, if you back up to verse 22, it, it describes, God's the one, he's declared all the boundaries that have been set in place. In nature, like the sand is the boundary for the ways of the sea. Now, these lessons in nature really are there to instruct us to take God seriously. He's the one that made everything. He set all the boundaries. And if he set the boundaries in nature, surely he set boundaries around our lives in other areas. And so he wants us to respect the boundaries. But again, this group of people, they don't fear God. They don't respect 
his boundaries. So the fun way strategy may see the boundaries, but they believe that the boundaries do not apply to them. It's like I can find a way around the limits. And I don't know if you've ever thought this way. It's, it's when we think, I won't get caught. I won't. I can go a little faster. I won't get caught. I can take a little more risk. I won't get hurt. I can look at that a little longer. Nothing's really going to happen. It's just on and on and on. When we recklessly, senselessly move forward according to what we feel in our, in our desires, with our, with our passions. Now, the two key characteristics of the fun way fool are first impulsiveness. Now, this is really kind of the a, a summary of when we study all the verses where this word comes up. There's this impulsiveness there to the sacrifice of the fun way. They jump at every opportunity with very little restraint. So if you struggle with impulse, again, pay attention. This is just really describing that strategy, impulsiveness. Not really thinking about consequences or irresponsibility, which is just extreme selfishness. So this strategy, what it does, it leads to getting beaten up by life. Because our desires propel us towards things that have damaging consequences. And so whenever we just follow what we feel, um, we run into real problems. I'm going to show you a video clip uh, from the movie The Pirates of the Caribbean. Just a brief clip. And the character, kind of the head of this whole thing, is the is the full-blown Sackle. He's the full-blown Funway person, Captain Jack Sparrow, right? I mean, if you, if you watch this movie, he just kind of, he's stumbling through life, and he's not guided by his senses. He ignores reason and sense, and he just follows his, his desires. And so I want to show you this clip here as we, as we hear him describe what guides his decisions. We've got to crank it up so that you can all catch the, the words. Real brief clip. With this, my compass is unique. Unique here, having the meaning of broken. True enough. This compass does not point north. Where does it point? It points to the thing you want most in this world. He says it points. It points to the thing you want most in this world. So you, you, his compass points to his desires. Whatever he desires the most, that's where his compass leads him. And there's people that follow him, and so it's like he's going this way in life, and as you watch some of the movies, it's like the, the compass is spinning, and it's like, oh, we're going to go this way now. And so this is what guides his life. So the question, does your compass, does it point north? It, are you guided by your desires, or is there some sort of a moral boundary that says, no, this is off limits, and this is, this is, this is good, this is okay? Or is it just spinning because of our desires? Which desires stir up recklessness in, in your own life? Which of those things that, man, if I followed this desire, it would ruin me? What is that in your life? Now, the key tool of the fun way is denial. This is the, this is the main way that the... the that the fun way or the sackle continues to live in this way is they deny, they deny that they have a problem. They deny addictions. They deny um, their problems. They deny that the consequences have anything to do with their choices. And so denial is their tool. They even deny that fun is their idol. 
they, they really don't believe that. Um, and, and really, this pattern sets up for addiction. And if, if, you, if you've ever been a part of um, any, any recovery program, trying to get out of a, a lifestyle, choices that you've made, or if you know anybody involved in um, addiction recovery, whether it's alcohol, drugs, sexual addiction, gambling, you know, one of the main, one of the first steps is really this issue of denial, like dealing with the denial and actually saying, hey, I have a problem here. I admit I have a problem in this area. And so this is really the tool that, that is used by the people to deny the problem. Look at verse 24. You see in verse 24 that this type of folly is rooted in ignoring the God who's really in control. So he says, they don't say in their hearts, Jeremiah says, they don't say in their hearts, let us fear the Lord our God who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. That would really help them if they said that, if they actually believed that. But they don't say it. The, the sackle, the Funway person, may believe God exists, but they will not fear God and take him seriously. To fear God, this idea in the Old Testament, comes up often in the Old Testament. To fear God. It means it doesn't just mean to be afraid of him, like to fear the boogeyman or to fear a monster. What it means is to take him seriously. Fearing God means I take God seriously. I believe he's real. I believe, I believe he's involved. So I don't play around. So fearing God, if we do that, it provides boundaries. It provides clear direction in life. And that is a barrier to the fun ways living, the fun way living. And so they reject fearing God in order to remove boundaries and barriers or keep really keep a distance from fearing God. Now, now this approach has wide appeal to us. So much of our modern comedy is, is based on making light and joking at the fun way. I mean, how many movies do you know that are just built on laughing at fun way living? Where you know, I'm just going to this movie because I just really need to laugh really hard right now. And you get this, you get this like experience where you're like, I haven't laughed that hard in so long. I don't know how many times I said that or thought that at the movies. But in real life, the wake of damage caused by fun way living is not funny. It's not funny at all because it's hurtful. Because if you've experienced the consequences of seeing people or even your own consequences of making your choices, following your desires, it's painful. Here's the specific impact according to the scripture. First one is dishonor and disrespect. This is the impact of living for the fun way. It's not pretty. People connected to them experience dishonor and disrespect. And it's, it's dishonorable for us to choose this. Over time, the consequences catch up, and it, it dishonors maybe the reputation we build. Our character, maybe working hard on building our character and our reputation, a few choices of fun way living can just destroy even for a family, disgrace can come upon a family through just choosing the fun way. Now, the idea comes across in Ecclesiastes 10.1 and 10.3. Look at 10.1. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Now, there, what he's saying is there are certain scents that, scents that just cannot be covered over. If dead flies fall into a perfume bottle... Over time, the perfume is going to stink. Okay, So a, just a little bit of folly outweighs wisdom and honor. It doesn't take much, meaning you can build up a life of character over decades and a few choices in the moment following our passions can destroy. 
this is what keeps the tabloids in business. This, it's always shocking us when we read the headlines, but even a little bit of folly can do great damage. I mean, wow, they came from such a good family. Wow, I knew them, and I can't, I can't believe that. Well, it's, it's choosing this way is really destructive. Another thing is, Ecclesiastes 10.3 says, even when the fool walks on the road, this is, again, the shackle. Even when the fun way person walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. It's like he's saying, the repeated cycle of living, of senseless living, is like an announcement. I'm a fool. This is the way I do my life. I just go through cycles. And what it is, is the reputation becomes known to others, which is a reputation of reckless living, following our passions. This is not something we can really keep to ourselves very long. There's often a cycle and it, it, that occurs when it looks like this. It's We move from opportunity. We're given an opportunity to satisfy a desire, to, to chase our passion in some form, and we take it. We take the bait. And in order to do that, we let go of some things. We become irresponsible. So we drop our responsibilities in order to chase the desire, and it leads to us gratifying ourselves, and then it brings disaster and then when we're in when we're beaten down through the consequences rather than really responding we we just get back on that cycle of here's the next opportunity that'll help me feel better about where i'm at and so it's this sackle cycle that just keeps on rolling and it repeats itself and others become aware of our problems with this type of living and for a family it can be like the elephant in the room no one really wants to talk about, but everyone is aware of it because everyone's in pain because of the way it hurts. Now, another impact of the fun way is the second thing is deprivation. If we choose the fun way, we never really experience the harvest season. We don't experience the good of, of hard work because every time we try, our sackle, our fun way living catches up with us and it blows up. The business we built, the friendships we've built, trust that we built it sets us back our lives lack the good that god desires often because we 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 constantly come up empty as a result of living this way look back at jeremiah 5 25 he says your iniquities have have turned these away and he's saying these he's talking about the harvest and the seasons of of harvest that bring the fruit of hard work and the the labor you know the result of all of our hard work and labor your sins or your iniquities Iniquities have turned these away. Your sins have kept good from you. And so good things are constantly out of reach for the person who chooses this this pattern. And we just keep doing the same thing over and over, and we don't we don't recognize, wow, I'm, this is bringing me to disaster. Now, Einstein is cited with this quote, insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's That's a good summary of this. Not, we don't realize, wow, we don't connect the dots between consequences and choices. It gets even more painful. We can experience repeated devastation. Repeated devastation. It's one thing to experience your plans falling apart once, but this strategy sets us up for a whole lifetime of ruin. And then even for some, it can lead to destruction. Death. We can, we can shorten our lives depending on our choices. Look at Ecclesiastes 7.17. Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. That's the word sackle. Don't be senseless. Why should you die before your time? 
He, he's giving a warning here, isn't he? He's saying, man, this, this, could, this could strip you of everything. And this, this can lead to premature death, which is heartbreaking, especially for those left behind. And so all these war- these are warnings that really are, I think, steer clear from this type of living because so much is at stake. Now, the mascot or the animal that really kind of would resemble this way of living, the fun way, is the dodo bird. Here's a picture of the dodo bird. <clears throat> now, the dodo bird is really the example of a full-blown psycho. The dodo was entirely fearless of humans. Now, they were isolated on this island, and so now they were, they were fearless, and they also were not able to fly. Those wings are not operational, apparently, because they can't get off the ground. And so what the dodos were known to do is when the sailors would come land on this island, the dodos would walk right up to the sailors, not realizing they're in danger, and the sailors see them, and that's dinner. And so it wouldn't be hard for a sailor to slug the dodo over the head. Well, years and years of that is extinction. So the dodo bird is extinct. And the last known record sighting of a dodo bird was 400 years ago. And so just their senseless living led to their destruction, led to their future. Now, as we walk through this, if you've identified with any of it, um, here's some directions from the New Testament on how to, how to change. Two things, and we're going to walk through these really quickly because I want you to hear um, from one of our members who's just going to share honestly about um, moving away from this type of living. And so the first thing is receive God's grace and live daily for him. This is the starting point. You have to begin walking with God through his son, Jesus. If you want to break out a fun way living, you cannot do that by just changing outward behavior. You won't be able to change your life by just modifying a few things and trying to set up a few boundaries of I'm not going to do that or that's off limits. That keeps getting me into trouble because the next opportunity will pull you in just like it has in the past. The only thing that can really bring about change is is experiencing for yourself the grace of God that's found by receiving his son, Jesus. Look at Titus 2, 11 through 14. Paul writes, for the grace of God has appeared. That appearance is in Jesus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present in this present age or in the present age the next verse waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness where the rules don't apply to me he's redeeming us from that and to purify to clean us up for himself he's he's purifying us for himself to be a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, the starting point for all that is to respond to the grace of God. And out of responding to the grace of God in the person of Jesus is really a practical new life, a, a life of, of practical living as you learn to walk with Him. Choosing to walk in the Spirit, choosing to spend time with God, fighting for to protect time to get into the Bible, to pray, to confess sin, to get plugged in and start having fellowship with others. All of those things are byproducts of experiencing the grace of God firsthand. The starting point is yielding to Him. It's not just renouncing the old ways. It's yielding to Him, and out of yielding your life to Jesus Christ, inviting Him to be Savior and Lord of your life, the byproduct of that is He gives us the power to change. Because as we invite Him to come in, He puts His Spirit inside of us, 
It now brings the power of God so that we can renounce old ways, so that we can shed our sin, so that we have power. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but now the power for change is, is actually there. The second thing is this. Also, to change, you have to focus on faithfulness, not feelings. Focus on faithfulness, not feelings. The fun way person chasing their passions and their desires, you have to focus on bearing responsibility in life. Because the responsibilities you carry will actually keep your feet on the ground. Because you start thinking about, wow, if I, if I chase this opportunity, that means I have to drop this responsibility. And I leave a bunch of people holding the bag. A lot of people get hurt if I choose this opportunity. First Thessalonians 4, Paul advises one church in this way. He says, aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands. Meaning everyone get, get your hands in the game as a church, as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. The idea, the picture here is you're, um, you're, living, in, you're living a life of, of responsibility. You're bearing responsibility. No one else is, is supporting you. You're, you're, you're carrying your own load in life. That, that has implications in church life. It has implications in the way you view your personal life and your career. But working hard and being responsible does not often feel good. And so in the mundane of life, it actually feels like if I bear responsibility, then I'm going to miss out on the fun. Um, but instead, just choosing to be steady and faithful, that actually draws respect from others. It really honors God. Um, if, if you've struggled with this um, strategy in any way, I want to encourage you. Change may come slowly, and that's okay. Change is going to come slowly. Aim for growth. Don't aim for perfection. When you, when you mess up, when you, when you chase the opportunity, don't think, wow, I'm, I'm just giving up and I'm going to run the whole cycle all the way through. Just stop where you're at and, and get back on track. I want to invite uh, Barry Palmer to come up here. Barry's going to share with us, quite honestly, about his life and coming to know Jesus and what that journey was like. And Barry is a good friend of mine, and he helped us um, get this church started about seven years ago. He moved out here to Riverside and... Um, He's actually raised, born and raised, I think, in Riverside. And um, Barry is one of our growth group leaders. And he got married about two years ago. Yeah, has it been two? Two years. Two years. And he and his wife lead a, a growth group, I think, called Productive, or they're going through a book called Productive. It's talking about work habits and um, honoring God in, in our work. And so I've asked him to come up and share about how do you change the fun way approach? Because before coming to Christ, Barry... Um, was living this out, this strategy out. And so he's going to share with us somewhat honestly from what that was like and what, what it took to really begin to change and make traction. So here's the first question for you, Barry. Um, in what ways, before getting serious about walking with God, in what ways did you identify yourself in the fun way living? Well, um, pretty much everything everything you mentioned, that, that was me. Um, the, uh, you know, I dabbled in drugs, did uh, any, anything that sounded fun, you know, it was all about the toys, fast cars, motorcycles, um, chasing women, that, that was, that was all, all uh, what I was going for. My, uh, my real identity was wrapped up in, hey, that's that crazy guy in the motorcycle. That, that, was, that was who I was. And um, the uh, irresponsibility of, uh, the irresponsibility of those choices were, at one point in time, I had two motorcycles and two cars, and I was living at home with my mom. 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, that <laughs> kind of shows you where my head was at at the moment. Um, and the, yeah, the, the key tool really was denial. It was, well, I'm not hurting anything. They're just, you know, my toys and I have fun and nobody gets hurt. Um, but denying um, that the, the way I was acting actually was it was it was being disrespectful to my mom. I was taking advantage of her and um, just all, all the other choices. That th there were consequences that were to come um, that I refused to accept that, you know, hey, you, you drive you know, way too fast on a motorcycle down the freeway, something bad's going to happen. Um, and at one point in time, I actually had a friend pass away because of that. You shared last service that kind of big wake-up call for you was around that same time when your friend died. You got pulled over by this reckless driving. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was being dumb, having fun, and got pulled over, reckless driving, got arrested, misdemeanor, all this, uh, all this serious stuff. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but okay. And uh, luckily, God got, uh, I didn't have to pay the full amount of consequences. I was able to get the misdemeanor knocked off and get the fines reduced and some of that. But it was a real wake-up call that this is not a good direction I'm heading. And um, you, you have, uh, you shared last service that, your nickname is kind of tied to like the motorcycle race. Yeah. Um, so in, in motorcycle clubs, everybody tends to get a nickname based on your characteristics or your actions, whatever. Uh, and mine was 5150, which some of you don't know, it's, it's a police code for um, someone who's a danger to himself and others. And so, you know, the, the whole identity that Barry had was wrapped up in living this way. And um, when I met Barry, let's see, Barry um, became a Christian about 11 years ago. When I met Barry, it was uh, maybe a year or two before he committed his life to follow Christ. His mom um, had just become a Christian at around the age of 40. And so his mom had become a Christian, and the church that we were a part of that actually helped plant this church, we were involved in that church, and uh, several people got to know um, Barry's mom, Brenda, and when she committed her life to Christ, we really began to see her life change. And um, then Brenda's mom, uh, Brenda's mother, Barry's grandmother, committed her life to Christ before she passed away. And I remember going to, to Brenda and Barry's house here in Riverside um, years ago. And I think just in some way we were involved with our small group and serving their family around the time when his grandmother passed away. And I met Barry at that point. And he was still living it up. He was still fun way Barry. And... Um, but nice guy, like wasn't hard to talk to, but had a pretty extreme lifestyle. I remember looking at some of his toys and stuff and kind of like, ooh, that's, that's exciting. I don't know how they work, but, you know, and, but um, nice guy. Didn't, I didn't know all that Barry was into at the point, but there was a big shift. Barry watched his mother change. He watched her really change, and Barry was raised by his mom and his, his stepdad, yeah, but most of the time it was just his mom. And so he had seen his mom live one way, and all of a sudden, huge turn of events with becoming a Christian. Second question really is this. Once you've committed your life to follow Christ, how would you start making traction and move away from fun way living? Um, well, I would say uh, during, that, during that time, I, I just kind of started to realize the way I'm doing life might not end up so well. Uh, started going to church with my mom a little bit, listening to some of the sermons. And some of them made sense. I said, okay, I, I, can, I can agree with that. That makes some sense. And I, 
was having some relational issues with my girlfriend at the time. And after a month or so of going, I said, you know, that's, I, I, need, I need Jesus to, to save me. And so I committed my life to Christ. And uh, shortly after, one of the, the gentlemen at the time said, you know, what are some things you think God's going to want you to change about what you're doing? And the one that just instantly popped up was, well, I, I need to either marry the girl I'm with or stop having sex with her because it's, it's not right. So when, when did you commit your life to Christ, and then how soon do you think you had that conversation and began? Uh, it was July 11th of 2004 I committed my life to Christ, and probably within the first week or so, he had, he had just mentioned that. Like, okay, you know, and that's instantly what, what came up. Um, then I had that conversation with her shortly after, and uh, she was on board for a little bit. And the next step was then I started serving on um, set up in Teardown, got around some some of the guys there. And as I was serving, I had to come to church sooner and leave later. Um, she could no longer carpool with me to church, and so that kind of started to I don't want to say drive a wedge between us, but it started our lives started to separate because I was going a different direction, and. Soon after then, the, the, the relationship ended, and we were just heading in two different directions. And that, that really, I felt freed up later on to be able to hang out with guys, you know, all day after church, and just really kind of figure out, you know, hey, you're, you seem to have it together. What, what are you doing? And they said, well, you know, you need to get into quiet time, start memorizing scripture. Um, so I started doing that, and then each time I would take one more step. And I would say, well, I, I didn't know that. You know, God revealed something in Proverbs. Okay, I'm going to start trying that. And then it would, it would come to fruition. Like, wow, this, this book really is, it, you know, it has the answers. Um, and so I just one step after another, after another, after another. And it was, you know, sermons, quiet times, um, all, all the different uh, events throughout the year came again. No, notice the, the link to change, though. Um, being taking responsibility, being faithful to take responsibility. He started taking responsibility in church life, and he wanted to keep that commitment rather than to take the next opportunity to bail out. And I've seen many people come into church and then eventually bail out to chase another desire. So the, the decision to get committed um, was a big step in his growth, not just organizationally, but to take responsibility for his own personal spiritual growth. Recognizing, well, this isn't the church's job to make me grow as a Christian. I have to, I have to feed myself. He started getting into the Bible, and God began to reveal what needed to change over time. And again, it wasn't instantaneous. It was a process of growth, and and we're all still in that process of growth. And some of these urges of these foolish strategies, they they come up at points when we just renounce them. It's like the spirit of you know, for grace of God has appeared to give salvation to all men teaching us to renounce the old desires, the old passions, because they're all in, they're in us. Whether you want to admit it or not, denial is probably a tool that we use for all of our strategies. Um, the last question here is this, is how do you stay on track and avoid that, that sackle cycle? Um, I would say the probably the first and foremost way would be um, just not being a dodo bird and burying my head in the sand, refusing to look at the consequences. Actually, before I do something, look ahead and, okay, you know, it sounds like fun, but what's this going to look like played out two, three, four steps down the road? Um, you know, and a lot of me could say, yeah, that's, you know, if I would have in the past, if I would have looked, it would have said, oh, yeah, that's, 
that's not going to end well, but it, the denial of, oh, that doesn't happen to me, the, the pride that, that would come in and say, oh, you're, you're the exception, that's not going to happen to you, um, but just realizing, no, that's, that's pretty real and it's going to happen, um, but just being having a, a truthful, accurate assessment of what that decision is, contemplating it, would probably be the, the first and foremost. And then beyond that, it just realizing, too, that you can still have fun. It's just there's different um, different parameters, staying within the boundaries. Instead of racing up and down a, a, a hill on the street, how about you take it to a track? <laughs> you know, that just that kind of, you know, realizing, like, it, it can be done. It's just got to be not not at a, at a whim. And that's where the impulsiveness comes in. Hey, right now, that's a good idea. Go. Just thinking it through. Like, well, you know what? That's a good idea, but I need to get some other things in line first. Yeah. And, and plugging in, as I've seen Barry, as I've seen really the transformation over the years, because it's really, I think, also the relationships of people that he's chosen to connect his life to through the years that have really helped, um, I think, because you can bounce your ideas. Because mm-hmm. if, if you bounce an idea like, hey, Josh, what do you think of this idea? That's a bad idea, then I'll be honest. And vice versa. I've done that with you as well and others in the congregation. Like, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this. And, and then people can say, you need to stop that. That's a bad idea. And so we really need people in our lives um, to break free from those things. I, I really appreciate you sharing so honestly, Barry. Um, last service, it was real helpful to, to many. Um, Barry's going to be at the back with me at the guest and information table. So if you'd like to say hi to him or ask him a little bit more or ask him for prayer if you're trying to break out of this strategy of living, he'd love to uh, just share with you his, his examples. So um, I want to invite our worship team back up. Thanks, Barry. Appreciate you coming up, man. It's such a joy to see the transformation in people's lives when we yield our lives to Jesus Christ. It, it's extremely powerful to watch a life change. And to be part of that. And it's extreme, extremely um, important that we experience this kind of growth of what he's describing in our own lives, with our own challenges. Um, so I hope this has been helpful to you. If you notice this in yourself, or if you notice, if you're a parent, it's critical to pay attention to the impact of these kinds of strategies. So you can teach your kids about what they're looking for, what to steer clear of. Pay attention to the media that they're taking in, their peer groups that they're running with. Uh, if you want to process this stuff further, I would encourage you to do that. Um, some of our small groups are going through some of this um, material, at least just briefly in their small groups. Uh, but as I wrap up, would you pull out that connection card in the in your bulletin on the back? You'll notice there's a few uh, next steps. The first one is is really choose to be faithful in blank. Really, this is linked to what is that area or the responsibility that you think this choice would help me keep my feet on the ground and not chase my desires. What is it I need to be faithful in? What I'm struggling to be faithful in? Um, I don't know what that is for you, but consider that. And then second, ask God to help me grow in self-control. Now, your ability to to have self-control is directly tied to your power source. So you you can't just muster up self-control on your own. You need Jesus. You need the power of God working inside of you. And so invite him to be the Lord in your life. And he begins to produce that as the fruit of his Holy Spirit. One of the fruit is self-control. The third thing is pray for and invite three guests 
to our Easter service. This is not connected to the message, but it's more as we plan for Easter. You'll notice there's this little card that's in your bulletin. If you pull this out, take a look at it real quick. There's also this big invite card that Taylor mentioned. But this little card, it says invest and invite. And we've done this the last couple of Easter's, and it's been really a helpful way for each of us to pray about who we would invite to Easter. Easter is Super Bowl Sunday for the church. Easter is when we celebrate fact that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death and, and the power of the change in life it flows from the resurrection it is the pinnacle of our faith and so everything rests on the resurrection so we're going to celebrate that on Easter and the few weeks ahead of Easter and so I want to encourage you to begin to pray for some people it says on the back of the card I commit to invest in others who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and invite them to Orange Crest Community Church and so if you would team with us and really just invite our, our friends, our family, our neighbors. We don't go to church to, to come and celebrate Easter with us. We would love for you to um, do that. And we would love to host your guests. And so I want to invite you to do that using that card. Um, it's really been a joy to be able to update and expand our stage and backdrop and all this stuff. And I wanted to really thank all of you who took part in our Christmas offering. Um, so much of this is really... Um, the result of some of what we were able to do through the Christmas offering. So I know many of you gave to help with the Christmas offering. And so um, from the lighting to the backdrop to the larger stage and other things that you might see, there's a, some changes in the restroom and some just little things that, that we want to thank you for being a part of that. And I want to pray as we kind of wrap up. Let's do that together. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Lord, thank you for your um, the hope that we can have in you, that you can set us free from the things and the bondage in this world that would hold us back and could even destroy us. Lord, we want to take a real clear and sensible look at our lives and ask you for help to break free, especially from this strategy of living for fun. Lord, if this is what describes us, Lord, I pray that we would yield our lives to you. If we've already done that, Lord, then I pray that we would begin to walk in, in daily obedience, like what Barry was describing, that we would begin to let you shine a light into our lives and overhaul the person that we that we were. And maybe that we still are. Lord, if there's things that you've shined a light on this morning and said this needs to change next, Lord, I pray we would begin to yield these things to you today. Today could be a turning point, Lord, uh, for the rest of our lives. Lord, we pray your blessing over our offering that we're about to receive. Thank you so much for the way that you've um, been growing us in the, in the area of generosity as a church. Help us to, to trust you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, our ushers.